Hello everyone, welcome to what I'm sure is episode 7 of the Forbidden Love Rugby Podcast. This is the Welsh Rugby Podcast that treats itself and the game with an appropriate level of seriousness on a case-by-case basis. I'm Reese, and once again I'm joined by two of my all-time favourite rugby boards, Ed and Mikey. Oh, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie! Oi, oi, oi! Mikey, Mikey, Mikey! Oi, oi, oi! That's quite enough of that, thank you. <laughs> Lovely stuff. On this week's show, we'll be bringing you the latest Welsh rugby news and a recap of round 13 of the URC before moving on to that most pleasant of activities, the celebration of Island Week. We'll be pouring over past matches and moments between Wales and Ireland before giving ourselves a good go at guessing Gatlin's 2023 Game Day 23. Finally, we walk you through the upcoming weekend's other Six Nations fixtures before bringing you our Forbidden Loves of the Week. So, grab your sparkly pink cowboy hats, carelessly spill your drinks over an entire row of unsuspecting spectators, and take to your seats 20 minutes late for the kickoff of the Forbidden Love Rugby Podcast. Alright, well then, welcome to episode 7. Ed, Mikey, how are you both doing? Hello, hello, hello. How are we doing? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. How was, was boys? Yeah, not too bad. You've been gripped by Six Nations fever yet? <laughs> oh, it's getting, it's, it's building, isn't it? It's building, yeah. I think, this, this, this kind of week, like, it's like the nerves settle from about Thursday night onwards, don't I? Like, it's coming, then <laughs> you know it's coming. Yeah, it's going to be a slow week, but oh, so, I'm so excited. Every year I think, oh, not that bothered, not that bothered, and then, boom, all of a sudden it's Six Nations, and <laughs> I'm queuing up to buy my pink cowboy hat as well. Precisely. So, uh, Mikey, how has your weekend been? You, you, uh, you been up to much? Oh, I've had a weekend a bit, uh, flat out. I am um, someone that's a bit close to uh, me and Ed. Um, the Glamorgan Young Farmers had their annual entertainment competition this weekend, so I went for butchers of that. Oh, tidy. What, what, what were some of your uh, highlights there? Uh, my highlights was uh, my own uh, club coming, um, do, doing their performance first uh, to set the tone for the weekend, and truly they did. And uh, fortunate enough, uh, I only managed to stay there for the first two performances. And I was lucky enough to see uh, second and first place, uh, respectively. Oh, so uh, congratulations to uh, Wick YFC, who won the Glamorgan round, and all the very best for representing the county. Smashing. How about yourself, Ed? Amazing. Well, it was a DIY heavy weekend. Um, usually these weekends involve Jen and her dad doing all the work and me just fetching cuppers and tools. Uh, more affectionately known as the gopher. <laughs> I can see it, I can see it. Uh, but I did get to um, be the first person to have uh, the very first shower in our brand new bathroom upstairs, so that was exciting. You... How was the pressure? Good pressure, good heat. Good pressure, uh, that's I'm, what you want. Excellent. I'm of lovely spearmint right now. Oh, beautiful stuff. Absolutely smashing. All right, well, um, if you did want to get in touch with us, we are on Twitter at FLRugbyPod. On the emails, we are ForbiddenLoveRugby at gmail.com. Or you can get in touch with myself. I'm at RJJ Blue and Black on Twitter. Ed, how do our fans and enemies get in touch with you? <laughs> I am at EddieRugby, E-double-D-double-Y-Rugby on Twitter. Oh, lovely stuff. Now about you, Mikey? I am at Mikey S. Harris, or lowercase smashing stuff so yeah just to say thanks to everybody for tuning in you can find us wherever you get your podcasts but please like share and subscribe tell your friends family sworn enemies of your blood 
uh, we, we're, you know, without those sorts of numbers where every little bit helps. So, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, please do. Uh, and, of course, all feedback is welcome and our DMs and inboxes are open. So, shall we get on with the news? Yes. Oh, yeah. Lovely stuff. Okay, so, Ed, first things first, what are your thoughts on Steve Phillips? Hashtag Phillips out. Finally go in. Uh, why did it take him so long? Like... <laughs> yeah, read the room. I must say, yeah, he was adamant he was staying until yeah. <laughs> Sunday morning, right? Mm. Yeah, um, I, I saw something on Twitter saying, "Oh, the WIU are, are teeing up a juicy gossip to be released by the press, going against like ex staff or something like that, to sort of distract from the pressure on them." Uh, and it turns out it was the complete opposite, and it was just his uh, resignation. That was the big Sunday news. Um, yeah, super happy. I just, I once the revelations of what we covered last week came out, your your position is just not tenable, and it you know it's a ticking time bomb before you leave, and you've you've got to jump before you're shoved, basically. Yeah, and I mean the thing is. It... <laughs> I think you are shoved. He just sort of styled it out into a jump. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. like it, it's, it's not flying. It's, it's falling with style. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, like you said, Ed, it's, um, his position had become pretty untenable and going forward was very unsustainable. Like, and all the, all the narrative from Steve Phillips was that he's the man to do it. But I think, like we said last week, um, he was the man that allowed it all, allowed it all as well. So, and, and it all went, under, went on under him as well. So I think he's, he, he had to, like I said, he had, he had to jump because there was yeah. so many clubs behind him, pushing him, and and everyone with it, and the, the views of the club, like so, the views of the clubs who've put statements out. So, um, yeah, again, why did it take so long? Um, we don't really know, and um, the writing was probably on the wall. Yeah, and I mean, going back to what Ed said, I, I was out and about on Saturday uh, walking the dogs, and. Uh, I got chatting to Kate's old man about this. You know, he's a he's an Irish rugby fan, which will become apt in our segment <laughs> later. Um, but yeah, the the story on Saturday was going that the WRU had pre- prepared like a a counter story against Charlotte Moffin to sort of do a bit of a smear campaign against her. And a you know for fuck's sake, yeah. For B. They, they couldn't possibly have thought that was going to work. I mean, the, the, the tide was already against them and all this yep. would have done would have been punching down, right? Yeah, totally. How, how could he even begin to think in that way? That's that's the wrong way to go about business. Like, however it comes out, if they're going to start pointing fingers at the person who made the claim, like, what, that just doesn't put him in a good light in the rest of, not just the country, and not in, in the United Kingdom we sit in, but... Europe and globally as well become a, Wales the, the WRU would become a laughing stock, and 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 as as, as see through as a as a white pair of boxes in a shower, and I've had a pair of them on before now. And for for that visual image, I only have myself to blame. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I I was I had a bit of time on my hands this weekend. It was a bit of a quiet one, so um, I did have Scrum Five on last night when they got talking about interim uh, chief exec, Nigel Walker. Now, my opinions <clears> of Nigel have sort of flip-flopped down the years. So I thought he was excellent as a performance director. He seemed to be instrumental in getting professional contracts for the women's game. But since uh, 
since he's moved up to sort of what board level at the WIU, I feel like he's become more of a politician rather than a a performance guy. And I don't think the role suits him. And yeah, if we go back to the interview last night, um, Lauren Phillips threw a question at him towards the end, which was, uh, will this uh, sort of mess, in a word, will this mess mean that the contract negotiations go on longer than they should have done? And there was a long pause Boom. before you went, no. <laughs> so yeah, um, it, it's, it's, so yeah, Mikey, you brought this to the attention of the thread earlier. Uh, these uh, player contract negotiations that seem to be a sticking point. There's now like a verbal soft deadline of yeah. the end of February. What, what do you make of that? Um, first off, I think uh, fair play to Lauren Jenkins on Scrum 5. She can throw some punches. Yeah. Fair play 100%. to her. Like, and, um, yeah. I'm not sure if... Uh, if Nigel Walker was adept at um, rolling with them, I think you're right. But um, in terms of the sort of contracts, it's I'd like to think it's probably allayed some. I'd like to think it hopefully hopefully has allayed some fears within some players. We've had a lot of players hear of a lot of players looking to jump ship or, or alleged to be looking at contracts in England and further afield. Um, I'd hope with with that even nod towards a bit of confidence that you know they can open up a bit of a dialogue with the regions and and wider people involved that that'll give the players who have aspirations of playing international rugby for wheels up and now and up until beyond the world cup and looking forward even towards the next world cup i mean you know if if mason grady's mason grady sorry max llewellyn has already signed a deal with gloucester did he Mm. did he jump too quick yeah, I mean, so here's here's, uh, here's something that's um, just crossed my mind as, as Mikey's been speaking there. A lot of the players who have said in the press that they are going or that they are considering going, I mean, this week we had uh, Jared Evans and Ross Moriarty trending towards leaving, let's say. Do you think some of that may have been a sort of public negotiating tactic where you start to sound out in the press to put public pressure back on the WIU? <laughs> Um, yeah, I think there was definitely an aspect of that. Uh, I, I also think it was just a lot of honesty. I think if you're being asked by a journalist, yeah. what's your intentions? And you, you're to the point where you're so pissed off with the situation. You're just like, yeah, fuck it, I'm going. I don't want to yeah. be here where, you know, these negotiations, our future is used as like a bargaining chip from either side. Um, yeah. yeah. But I also think, you know, possibly in the WRPA, um, hmm. they might have had that discussion. You know, what? How do we go about this? Do you think it's good to be public, or should we remain silent? And I bet there was some sort of talk and maybe seeds planted with the, with a few players to just say, be honest. Don't don't you know? Don't don't hide what your intentions are, but be as honest as you want to be. For for instance, and um, sure. Yeah, I think uh, Jared nailed nailed the uh, hammered the nail on the head this week when he said, you know, at the end of the day, I've, I've got my family to think about, and that's yeah, that's so true. Yeah. It's a massive driving point behind players as individuals; they got to sort themselves and their families out, and they got to see them right. But I, I definitely go back to what you said. Ed. I definitely think that I would like to think it's probably been left to the players to make that decision themselves whether they come out in the press and say, "Yep, yeah, I'm going or thinking about it," because that does kind of force the hand to, to, to make radical and sort of 
and quick movements from the WIU to say, okay, now let's let's get things started. Albeit in some cases it may be a bit late, but at least for those who are maybe on the on the, the tightrope of whether whether deciding to fall in back into Wales or into another league will help them decide quicker. Yeah, I mean, t- two things that two other things you also made me think of. First of all, um, and I'll, I'll check this out to either of you, really. Is it only Max Cloellen, I think, who's confirmed that he's definitely going? I think I, it I is. Like, I, I feel like the glossy deal with Max is done. I think all the others were like, has been linked with. Uh, yeah. yeah. Right Wasn't Anscombe pretty did... much a done deal as well? Well, there is Anscombe, but I, I think with Anscombe, it's like, he's not, it's not that relevant because he's not playing. If we were seeing him more on yeah. the pitch, then I think we'd be more concerned. There's no doubt, no, he's a a great player and no doubt injury allowing of course like he'd been in he would have been in the um the 37 it might have even been 38 with Anscombe <laughs> yeah. um and, and I guess another thing then something we possibly don't consider because we're all afraid of our favorite teams losing their players how does this look from the outside looking in so if you're playing in England or you're playing in France and a Welsh team approaches you know in a month's time offering you a contract you're just gonna laugh right yeah, <laughs> I think, you know, uh, alluding back to Nigel Walker's um, sort of political stance with everything, is it's, it's such a fishbowl, isn't it? I don't, it's like, mm. I don't think you really, until you sort of um, look into the other unions, you, you understand what it is like in Wales. And, yeah, I think, like, if you're any signing coming into a Welsh team, you're already under the microscope. And, yeah, yeah like you say... You know, I know obviously it's a bit of a different answer to your question, but like even more so now with the with whole contract contract uh, situation, you, you would just yeah you would you would just think twice about it, wouldn't you? And probably <laughs> hold up for something in France or England. I think yeah. the, the I don't think the fishbowl is any different. Maybe in France and England, we just don't get to see it on such you, a an impacted yeah, level. Yeah. And I you think, might be right there. Yeah, I think the fishbowls in England there's obviously more. And um, more in England and, and more again in France. But I think the big thing in England at the minute has been this tackle height rule. Mm-hmm. I think that's definitely come under the microscope. And what was it? Uh, a substantial amount of clubs signed the um, petition to, yeah. the, to the RFU to, um, uh, you know, say, hang about now, chaps. And it probably <laughs> was chaps. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we don't like the way you're trying to tell us how to play. But interestingly enough, I don't know if um, if it's made, made a difference or not. Like, but um, the, the tackle height has been brought in by the IRB as well. Uh, sorry, World Rugby as well. Yeah. Um, across the um, international uh, professional game, but on that point, I think it's going to make um, individual unions make their own decision on tackle height and then the laws around that. But going back to the sort of fishbowl scenario, I think it's just we're not. We don't look at England so much. We don't look at France. We don't look at the rest of the world. We look at our own front door, our own doorstep. Yeah. And you know, we and it is it's it maybe might only be five fishbowls big. You know, the regions plus the union itself. But uh, um, the, the 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 glass is um, thinning somewhat. I would think from uh, well to to stretch this uh, aquarium analogy to uh, to absolute breaking point. Would you say that maybe in England and France you've got more local fishbowls? Are you Gloucester or a or a Saris or an Exeter? Whereas Wales is more of like an aquarium along the M4 corridor. <laughs> well, yeah, I think you know you you've organically 
you still have them derbies like you got the, the yeah. south the south the south west you know like you know in south west mm-hmm. england gloucester exeter bath you know worcester r.i.p do you know what i mean and and it's and you don't i mean that's been driven out of wales i mean you try and all get, try and create derbies the east wales derbies the city derbies the west wales derbies derby days um judgment day great the way you have tried don't get me wrong and it's judgment day is a, is a pretty good crack like but uh it's not quite ponty cardiff is it yeah, yeah no, I, I, I can agree with you there um so yeah uh, i guess just a couple more points on this and so there's been a long list of uh permanent chief execs being touted to replace Nigel Walker after his interim period. Uh, One of those is Nigel Walker. Uh, What would you look for in a a modern WIU chief exec? So I noticed that names such as Di Buttress or Amanda Blanc even are being bandied around. Do you think we need to start looking at business people rather than old rugby players? Yes. Um, Yeah, I... I think um, <laughs> I, I did think about this earlier and I thought I would love Amanda Blanc to come back and have a crack at the helm um, without having to sort of, you know, go via a, a bunch of ex-pros or old geography teachers. Um, but whether she will or not, I, I can't. I can't imagine that happening. But um, to, to answer the question about a businessman, I, I totally agree. I think, you know, what is it, a £100 million business? It needs to have someone who can effectively use that money or use the the income that the business generates into generating more success and therefore more revenue. Like the article in the week, I didn't get a chance to read it, but loosely looking at it, I could see that, you know, so I made a comment where like the IRFU will invest in academies for the provinces and the WIU will build a hotel. <laughs> yeah, I, I was actually, I was going to put that uh, to Mikey next. Sorry. So, yeah, as yeah. I, as, as, that's okay. I mean, so as, as Ed says, um, you know, we, we've spoken about this on the podcast a few times in terms of how the WIU seems to want to spend its money. So uh, back in the mid noughties, it was, the late 90s was paying off the stadium debt faster than they needed to and starving the regions and then Peter Jackson spoke on Scrum 5 yesterday about how the WIU went all in on the current generation of the international men's squad versus any of the sort of feeder teams into that squad including the regions and the academies and then thirdly yeah the hotel sticks out like a sore thumb in terms of ways to spend and make money so yeah, uh, what what are your thoughts on all of that, Mikey? That's a, it's a it's a pretty broad church there, like isn't it? But um, if you go from the from the the uh, hotel to start, um, uh, it's another revenue stream, isn't it? That's the issue, and it's uh, it's a matter of speculating to accumulate, and um, it probably will in time see that that income being generated, but. Uh, what you want is you want it now. I don't know. I mean, like sports, sports a quick turnover thing. Like it's quick turnaround in terms of mm. finances generated. Um, and then go, going backwards on the previous points, um, I think again, again with having a, a successful men's team, probably put a lot of bums on seats in the Millennium Stadium, and and revenue from that, the hospitality, 
within yeah. the stadium as well, um, which I know has gone down too well with some fans having sort of forced the family stand and the, like no, no no drinks being sold for certain periods of the games, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's sells a lot sells a lot of tickets, sells a lot of merchandise, shirts, etc. So there's there's that revenue stream there, and he's putting number one first, I think in terms of the the um, starving the regions, which isn't fair at all on the regions because that's where you want to get your players from. I think with going back to what Ed said, uh, that business person has to be in charge. Although, yeah, I totally agree, has to be a business person in charge, but with an air of rugby. Yeah, I can see with, that. With with, with 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 an air of rugby in the fairest sense, mm-hmm. that it, in terms of the business, the rugby isn't the be all and end all, yeah. but it is a major 49% stakeholder. In the yeah. business, yeah, I, f- I feel like something. Going back to what Ed said, uh, and sort of gelling with, with what you've just said, it's almost like Amanda Blanc would be the textbook example of what we're trying to get at here. As somebody well, yeah. who's yeah. a successful business person and loves Welsh rugby, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think I, I, I say if she wants yep. the role, it's hers. Let's see if what we've all been saying can come true. And uh, just to move us on, then. Uh, the final thing I think we want to talk about on this, Ed, is our resident football fan. <laughs> the FAW have publicly offered some help to the WIU in terms of modernising and so on. Um, what do you What do you make of that? Uh, I bloody loved it. I think um, the FAW have been an exemplary example of how you re-establish that connection between the fans and and the organisation and therefore the team. The way they've embraced the Red War, the way they've embraced um, all aspects of the fan base, um, uh, the women's game as well recently, obviously with the um, uh, equal pay between the men's and the women's team, uh, and fair due to the men men's players who also agreed to take a pay cut so that, that that could increase the pay for the women's team. But any looking and just looking at the way AFW have handled business over the last. Uh, well, I don't know how long it's been happening, but you know, it feels like forever because it's been such an amazing time to be a Welsh football fan. Uh, I think any help they offer should, shouldn't be laughed at, and it should be taken with open hands, uh, open arms, and right. and like really, you know, whoever the next CEO is, I think having a sit down with the FAW who understand what Welsh fans want and need is is only going to benefit the WIU. Almost to no end. Yeah, I think you bite the hand off, really, yeah. and don't give it back. Um, <laughs> it's like you, 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 you look at things. Look at things that have become synonymous now with, with Welsh football, the bucket hats, the retro jerseys. Yeah. Uh, David Ewan's Amau Heat. Um, stirs singing, my soul. Oh. Singing like fuck. Yeah. Oh my God, yeah, stirs yeah. right. Singing their guts out is yeah. incredible. Stirs my soul. Every time it doesn't matter that it matter that it's synonymous with with the football that's become, but it's it's everything that's come with it as well. Like and like the massive amount of work. I mean, I don't think it's just a a, a, a tournament, a World Cup cycle. This goes back as far as the Euro 2016 and even before that. Yeah, yeah. With 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 Welsh football and um, it's like you know the Welsh fans have got a an incredible reputation around the world, wherever yeah. they've been. They're always welcomed with open arms and. <laughs> It's like the old adage, oh, we're just happy to be you. And <laughs> yeah, I think sometimes it's, and that's, that's, a, that's fine. But not only are they happy to be there, 
Welsh football deserves its place in the international game, yeah. much akin to the Welsh rugby. Like, but um, you know, we, we've seen the good, the bad, and the very much ugly of Welsh rugby over these last few seasons. I'd weeks, say a few hours you know, actually. A few then. hours, <laughs> of course, absolutely. And we're not just talking about the front five, like yeah, do you know what I mean. Yeah, but um, yeah, you 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 take as much as you can from where you yeah. can, and all the advice, the the, the cultural change. Um, Welsh rugby has its own culture, of course, but. You know, not a culture that can't be tailored. And yeah, like I mean, I, I I've always been a bit of a neutral when it comes to football. Um, growing up, I I don't know if you boys were the same, but on a Sunday morning on S4C, would always have uh, Golazzo. So I was obsessed with Italian <laughs> football as a kid. Um, and I, I you know I never really took an interest in the English Prem or really international soccer. But yeah, like if I the last oh, yeah since that since that 2016 Euro campaign. The FAW has felt sort of modern, inclusive, and sort of exciting. Yeah, yeah. And the WIU just hasn't. And I, I know sometimes it's comparing apples with oranges because rugby and football are so different. But they've got a little bit of magic dust about them. The FAW. That I, I, oh yeah. If there's any any advice that we could take, I, I would be tremendously happy to do so. Yeah, I totally agree. Like even as as something as simple as doing the World World Cup squad announcement in, um, I think it was Triorki Triorki Town Hall. Tyler's Town. Oh, Tyler's Town. Yeah. You know that's where Rob Page was was um, uh, born and raised. I think it's where he grew up, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, like how more connected can you get with your Welsh fans? Yeah. You, you know, than than yeah. taking it they, to them. Like Mikey said before, the only taking, way... the, taking it to the fans. The only way that could have been more connected was if it was in his mum's room, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Barbecue around the garden, you know. Yeah, she's bringing buffet. out a tray of, like, yeah. tea and biscuits yeah. for everyone. And, and all the plates have got the players' names on. <laughs> I, I, I really do think that's where it starts. I mean, you have to go to the, you know, the, the grassroots of sport in your country. Yeah. Like, and as long... When, when the grassroots becomes involved and is, is feels represented... Then the, the the strength of the sport can only only grow and only become stronger. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you boys have seen, but when when like Ospreys uh, announce a team now, for example, they have a little video of either minis and juniors holding up signs with the players' names on them from feeder clubs to the region, or like former players or staff at the uh, Swansea.com stadium. Yeah. And like, yeah, just little things like that can I think help to breed a culture. Yeah. And. and- Give an identity then beyond what you see as a member of that community, but looking into it as well. Yeah, I was uh, went to watch the Ospreys and Leinster game uh, a few weeks ago, and uh, at a at a Guinness in um, one of the stadium bars there, yeah. and uh, they've got a shirt from every club, uh, mm. much akin to an old, well, I say an old rugby club, but the, the rugby clubs you find around, uh, a shirt from each club within their area. Yeah. Um, feel represented plus the Ospreys jersey uh, is it the European jersey they're wearing at the moment uh, there's the colours from each club there um, and there is that level of connection I've always thought that, um, uh, that each club in the respective regions should carry that region's badge yeah no so, so uh, funny enough um, when I used to go watch Penegraig quite a lot uh, Cardiff Blues as it was at the time would put knock their badge onto the Penegraig kit as well so that they, they some you know there are i think there's avenues for that buy-in but yeah. sometimes i think it's overlooked now i do have a 
point of personal privilege here. That um, Osprey's European jersey, apparently it's a bit of revisionism. So apparently it was designed as what copper looks like under a microscope. And then some then somebody noticed that, well, every single colour of the rainbow is on that shirt. So ah. what we can say, <laughs> because I've looked at that shirt and I've like, right, which teams in the Ospreys region yeah. is in brown? <laughs> I, or, I've had the same thoughts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yes, I mean, if, if you can claim it retrospectively, then fine. Okay, yeah. lads, shall we move on? Yeah. We've, we've done almost half an hour of news. Uh, so you've got a couple more things to cover. Uh this Netflix documentary that's going to follow the Six Nations teams behind the scenes. Gatland ain't keen. Ed, Mikey, what do you reckon? If it has the same appeal, or if it has the, the same sort of like um, outcome as it has with uh, F1's drive to survive, then it can only be a good thing. But uh, I think like Gatland's gone on the press, gone on in the press and said, like, you know, you've got to be careful of what you actually show from. The changing rooms, the training, and be quite sensitive to that because, like he, like Gatland have said, it's it's that emotional charge, and and that can that can rise up to you, to you like a like a like a rocket, and um, yeah, I can imagine the kind of flowery language that's used, and and you know when you're talking about certain teams, certain players, um, I'm sure like we've all heard it and experienced it in the changing rooms in the changing rooms ourselves, like you know. It's a it's a funny old place to be, and it's a, it can be quite when you get it into your own mindset, it can be quite quite scary and dark as well. So I think that's going to be managed quite well. Obviously, you don't see the same thing in Formula One, but F1 and rugby are like comparing apples and pears. But um, if they can pay the attention to rugby that it is, then that's fine. Yeah, um, I think I agree with what a lot of what you were saying, and. Um... Like a, a, a good example is uh, Welcome to Wrexham. Um, yeah, that was an amazing documentary. I've known like you, you've seen uh, loads and loads of people who have absolutely no connection to football at all that have watched it and absolutely just fallen in love with Wrexham. So documentary has that power and has that potential for for the WIU and for for Welsh rugby. I mean, it's already a very well known brand. Wrexham wasn't so much. Yeah, but, we're easily the most likable bunch of lads in the Six Nations. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like people do tend to say, um, uh, people do tend to put the Welsh boys as their favourite roommates whenever they have those like sort of pop pop quiz questions after a Lions. Yeah, the or, Lions guys. Yeah, um, there's a hilarious one of Donica uh, O'Callaghan and uh, O'Callaghan and um, Andy Powell. I think it was just like I think Donna Hurts. Um, wife had come in uh, and Andy Powell was like, oh, I'll give you a bit of space, give you a bit of space, and then came back later on with like a burger or something. It's like, oh, do you want a, want a cheeseburger? Or something like that. I'm going to go to the shops or anything. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, um, you know, they'll pick and choose what they show. Uh, they managed to do a whole season of football with Wrexham and, you know, catch the 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 moments they caught that were passionate uh, in inverted commons, uh, sweary, were done very well. And, you know, <laughs> depend. I, I mean, okay, that was a that was something done by Rob McElhenney and um, Ryan Reynolds to promote Wrexham, so they were obviously making it a sellable product. Yeah. 
Whereas this Netflix documentary is going to be looking for entertainment. Um, but, you know, I'd, I'd imagine they've got the ability to pick and choose what gets put on and what doesn't. Um, do the, you do you think that people will act differently with the cameras in front of them? And second of all, who do you think would be, in the entire Six Nations, can you think of anybody you think would be least affected by a camera in their face? Alan Wynne-Jones. <laughs> See, I was thinking Sean Edwards. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah there's, 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 there's some who, do, who don't give um, to who's like, is it? Um, I think they're probably quite used to being in front of cameras. There's a lot of media that goes around now, like, isn't it? A lot of, like, skit yeah. videos and sort of, like, uh, TikToks. Yeah. Twitter, um, Facebook, and, and all sorts. You get quite a lot of YouTube content. YouTube, one yeah, that's another where, one. Um, where um, I, I think in the last one, Will Rowlands was interviewing Bradley Roberts in the in the autumns, and you yeah. know, just doing little interviews like that. And you, so you get like little, I guess, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Sort of heavily edited looks at how yeah. the boys interact. But yes, uh, you you. This behind the scenes thing, without, and I think the key is that they don't have editorial control. So, yes, on the Lions, mm. um, yeah, documentaries, apparently they did, whereas this uh, one, right. whatever they film, apparently is allowed to be used. Wow, that's okay. um, that's a big step. Yeah. But that's another thing that Gatland alluded to was the um, was the Lions and the, the production team that makes the Lions, yeah. um, are well versed and have got a, and they they've done Lions DVDs videos etc. Uh, they've done them right. They've done, done them well. They've shown the team in the, in what they want to um, want to achieve. And like I said, there's, yeah. there's not too much of the emotional stuff in it. But um, yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting one to see. I think it's not until next next year, 2024. Yes. So um, I think by the time <laughs> yeah. it comes up, we'll have all forgotten that Netflix were in camp, and particularly the time that Netflix were with Wales this yeah. particular time. So yeah. um, I think. Um, Certain amount of comedy is all about typing. Yeah, yeah. No, I, mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I, did, I did. I did mention in the thread, and I that um, where I'll do the Six Nations. I think I'll mm. make a note of how I feel the um, the squad is doing behind the scenes in terms of you know how they're feeling, how yeah. they how they are mentally, and, and how much fun they, they are or aren't having behind the scenes. Oh, they have more fun then, than they let on. And yeah. then um, this time next year, we'll compare that with my mm. notes. We'll compare the documentary with my notes and just mm. see how wrong I was. <laughs> um, so we have seem to have lost Ed. Uh, so if he comes back, we'll sort of update him on what we're talking about so yeah. he can jump in. But we did have a comment this week saying it would be a good idea for us to cover the um, the pathway games that happen in Wales from time to time. So this was from a chap calling himself the Marquis of Splot. And we're incredibly grateful for any feedback. Thank you, Marky of Plot. We really appreciate your input. And uh, it's a really good idea. Like, it's something that I goes... So. Um, it's not paid enough attention to in some cases, but I think this is a real good avenue to sort of get that involved yeah. with. And, um, yeah, thank you very much. And um, like, yes. like we said in the beginning, you know, all feedback, ideas, everything like that, we're more than open, open to suggestion. Yeah, so we, we have actually got Ed back. So Ed, we've moved on now to talking about the... Um, the feeder teams and the pathway, as was uh, requested on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Now, I wouldn't be the first to hold my hand up here and say, first of all, I didn't know a lot about it apart from the following things. Cardiff had a under-16s north and south, and they have a under-18s. And that was about the extent of my knowledge. Now, once we got this suggestion and I got home from work, I did go and have a little bit of a dig. 
And I tell you what, it is hard to find anything yeah. on this. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, so, and you, you've got to give a big shout out to the people over at uh, All Wales Sport because mm-hmm. th- that's literally the only place I could find the table and the fixtures for these championships. And wow. I even went through the WIU's website and there wasn't anywhere near as good a repository. So one thing that needs to happen is I think more attention needs to be shone on that. Now I know, so, I mean, you'll have noticed like in the past SLC we'll have shown college games and so on. But what I want yeah. to do now, I'm just going to talk through the teams that play in each of these championships. Um, last weekend's results, next weekend's fixtures. And then with an eye, we just keep an eye on these tournaments as, as they progress throughout the season and maybe you know towards the tail end we could possibly go and pop along and have a look absolutely um, yeah so you've got the following threes you've got regional under 18 championships uh for men and women and then you've got the regional under 16 championship and i'm assuming that's that's just for young boys so in the regional under 18s you've got ospreys cardiff scarlet's dragons and rgc in both the men's and women's as it stands in the men's, Ospreys are four from four on top of the table, followed by Cardiff Scarlets, Dragons, and RGC. And in the women's, we've got... Uh, so there's, the, the number of games played is a bit uneven. Uh, so you've, they've either played two or three. And as it stands, it's Cardiff, RGC, Dragons, Scarlets, Ospreys. Um, in terms of results... The most recent ones we've got, Cardiff um, beat RGC at home and Ospreys narrowly beat Dragons at home as well. And it seems that these happen in a bit of a round robin and a bit a bit sporadically, which might explain why yeah. it's so hard to keep up with. They, 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 <laughs> they may be an edge there towards sort of like players still playing at their clubs as well. Yeah, yeah. oh, um, totally. And, you know, they can't potentially play too many games over a certain period, so yeah. they go and keep fit with their clubs and then yeah. get to go with the um the the, the age grade the age grades uh when they when they need to. I think you're possibly right. And I think um yeah it, it could almost be seen as like a, a sort of quasi representative cap where yeah you, you're playing at your maybe your school or your college, etc. and then you get drafted in. But what what we would say is that if anybody's got any information on the structure of these tournaments how the clubs are fed are they invitational are they fully academy are they feeder club based etc we'd we'd be dead keen to hear from you so we just get an idea of of how these how these competitions work and then we can impart that knowledge onto our onto our listeners something Um, i've sorry go on no that's okay mate you go on crack on something i've noticed there i did put this uh allude to this in in the thread the Mm -hmm. other day um, do us a favour and rattle through the regions there. So yeah, uh, Cardiff, Scarlets, Dragons, Ospreys, RGC. That's the under 18s. Now, if maths serves me correct, and hmm. I think it does, there seems to be five regions there. Yeah. Now, I think we need a bit of clarity from the WIU as to what what this is, in fact, because. I've thought about this previously, and um, RGC only having a premiership team as they are um, senior senior teams then um, mm-hmm. playing in the Welsh Premiership. Yeah. What is the benefit for the regional age grade competition 
if it's them true. players in yeah. the RGC age grades aren't then going on to perform and have the opportunities against other professional regions as their senior team. Do you see what I'm getting at you? Yeah, I, I think the only way I could possibly explain it away, and I'm not trying to, I'm just devil's advocate in you, is that potentially the Scarlets and the RGC areas are the least populated. And so by the time you get to fully senior rugby, they combine. this Because, I mean, technically RGC is a Scarlets club. So potentially it's that. But how many players, supporters, do you see coming down from North Wales? Oh, God knows. Yeah, exactly. Probably, probably, do you know probably what I mean? four. <laughs> I was, in I was in, seeing a friend in Aberaeron, um probably about a 12 months ago, maybe a bit more, maybe a bit less. And um, got talking rugby. rugby. Uh, in fact, uh, ironically enough, um, we was, it was during times where we still had to wear masks inside, but in this particular time mm-hmm. we didn't. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, we were sat, me and my buddy were sat next to his... Uh, one of his uh, one of the people who works in the in the surgery there and he didn't realize it was her until because she that didn't have a mask on and her <laughs> husband uh was a referee and um yeah. of course we just got chatting rugby etc and you know who you support and then the rest of it and um and of course him being from uh from west wales uh sort of got on to chat about the scarlets and he says oh i don't go to support i don't go to see the games it's too far away yeah i mean so that's even in you know probably as far West Wales you can get in terms of clearly in that whole region. So but... yeah, and it, I mean if you if you broaden it, right, so people often talk about Munster playing games in Cork and Limerick. Now, Cork and Limerick are as far apart as I've said in the past as Clanachly and Newport. But yeah, once once you're out in Scarlet's territory and you know, you've got guys maybe in Aberystwyth who want to support I can, in those sorts of circumstances I can see the case if you're not getting buy-in from the further reaches of your region to go on the road, I mean, the difference between Cardiff and Ponty, I mean, is, is 25 minutes on a train. Yep. So I don't, I don't think that sort of thing would help engage fans from further into the valleys or towns that just don't want to support Cardiff. But yeah, like like you said, there's there's an appetite for rugby, and it'd be, I mean, it might be a bit silly because I don't know what this sort of professional, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, professional infrastructure or facilities that are in mid or north Wales to host games apart from I guess the RGC's ground well you know there are no doubt there's other facilities available like um, I mean like we've, we've spoke about football tonight maybe um, the guys in charge of Rex um, Ryan Reynolds and uh, Rob McElhenney they've got some friends who maybe want to invest in, in rugby well, in north Wales I, I was uh, I was yeah, I, I'll go on the phone to, uh, I don't know, Brad Pitt and ask him if he wants to yeah. play Cardiff. Spare uh... <laughs> a couple of quid banging about, like, you know, but um, yeah. if you had to take a couple of quid to, 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 to establish RGC as a region, then I'd like, to, as, as a professional entity, you know, for them players in the north to have something to play for, because it's that or they get lost to sale. Yeah, and that, you know, that might be a career path that yeah, a lot of them imagine that they might have. But yeah, again, like like you're quite right, Mike. It comes down to money, and if somebody wants to come and throw a hundred million quid at it, great. Uh, but yeah, it's, it'd be great if it happened. I, I mean, I, I feel like the solution is more teams, not fewer. But yeah, you need a nutter with money. So I, I guess, so, sorry, go on. Well, if I had that uh, kind of spare cash, I know exactly what I'd be investing in. <laughs> <I've said before. laughs> 
<laughs> and yeah, just to wrap this bit up then, so the under-16s then, uh, each of the... Right. Each of the four conventional regions, Osprey, Scarlet, Cardiff Dragons, are split into two. So you've got Ospreys East and West, Scarlet, West and East, Cardiff North and South, <laughs> everybody keep it up, Dragons Red and Black, back in the geographical trend. <laughs> Dragons Black sounds like a sort of elite dragon supporters club, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm sure there's a Black Dragon Cider about somewhere. There, I think, yeah, I think you might be right. And then RGC is just the, is just the one team there. But yeah, I, I, just to reiterate, if anybody has any information on how this all hangs together and feeds, how you feed into it and how you feed out of it, we'd be really keen to hear about it. So, shall we get on to the weekend? Just gone. Let's do it. All right. So, we were all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> on Friday, Scarlet's beat the Bulls. Now... Nobody was as wrong as me. I was infinite orders of magnitude out, and I got the wrong result. So it wasn't a nil-nil draw. It was actually 37-28 to the Bulls. Did anyone see this coming at all? No. I eventually switched the game on at about uh, close to half-time, mm. and I couldn't believe the score. Scarlets were up 24-3 at the time or something like that, so I thought, right, yeah. stop this nonsense. Let's watch it from the start. And let's actually see how this went down. And yeah. the Scarlets just seem to accumulate points. Yeah, yeah. I don't really know how they did it, but they kind of did. Um, yeah, like, you, no, you're absolutely right. So yeah. I'm, thinking, I'm thinking back to watching the game on Friday night, and I can't remember where 37 points yeah. came from. Well, and, and, until you get to the, the last um, quarter an hour where um, Johnny Nickel scores twice. Yeah, well and, taken tries as well. Oh, absolutely. And um, if, um, if he was sticking his hand up, then... You know, maybe he would have had the nod if the squad was being picked tomorrow. But mm. um, yeah, it, it, that that last few passages of plays uh, from the Scarlets, I think they probably jumped on a bit of a, or kept on that role from Europe, from from yeah. the European competition. And I, I actually think Ed, that Scarlets might now be a little bit miffed that they haven't got a, a fixture for a while because there was it felt like some semblance of momentum there. Oh yeah, totally. Like, um, I, I don't even know what number win on the bounce that was for them. Hmm. Um, I think, yeah, I think like yeah. six from seven, though, aren't they? Yeah, like, I was going to say it's about six, yeah. Wow. Um, impressive, considering the start to the season they had. Hmm. Um, I wasn't able to watch it, but I was keeping an eye on the score. And <laughs> I, I think I'm just still seeing Scarlet's as the Scarlet's team that started the season, yeah. not as the team yeah. they are now. It's bad, I've got no confidence in Scarlet. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Bulls came to Cardiff last season and taught us a thing or two. I mean, well, we were having a bad season last year. I mean, we're having a bad season now, but uh, yeah, yeah, I, I fully expected Bulls to come and turn Scarlets over, especially in terms of international call-ups. But mm. hey, that's, depth, uh, you know, and you know, fingers, you know, we like to think for the Scarlets that you know what Wayne Peel is trying to put in place there is is coming to the yeah. fore, like it certainly has in Europe. Yeah, no, I, they're on a yeah. roll, and I think a lot of teams in Wales are momentum teams and confidence teams, and I think this break is not going to be welcome for Scarlets at all. Um, moving on to Saturday, uh, first up, then Dragons hosted Glasgow, ended up losing 28-42. I mean, no real surprise. Um, no. Again, not like a, on paper, not a total battering. Um, but yeah, ultimately just not enough to keep up with Glasgow. Yeah, did... no, I 
I I didn't catch this game. Um, I'm glad they got the try bonus point, but yeah, yeah. To be honest, I've got nothing to add. <laughs> yeah, it's... I saw the result and pretty much you know it was a foregone conclusion for me. But um, whether they put up a fight, I don't know. Mikey, did you watch I, it? I didn't manage to see this game. Um, uh, busy again. Apologies, boys. Feeling terrible. <laughs> but, I know. Um, I know. It's it. It's not as bad as me, Mikey. I watch and I can't remember, so I'm just quickly <laughs> having to look through. <laughs> it's just, the, 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 unfortunately, it's the same result. Yeah. I love you seen for the Dragons, and, and it's unfortunate they go to Glasgow in the next round of Europe. Mm. Um, yeah. I think, the, with, the, with the rose tinted glasses on, maybe, I like to think maybe they tried lulling Glasgow into a false sense of security to go up to Glasgow <laughs> in the next round of Europe and go, right, bang, have a bit yeah. of this fire from the yeah. Dragon's belly kind of thing, and... Um, I, yeah. I think the other thing is, I mean, uh, I'm just pulling up the teams here, and like, yeah, like I think by the time Europe rolls around, we're going to be looking at two totally different uh, sides playing each other. But yeah, I mean, it's the same old from Dragons, reason isn't it? It's... And and who who's been most disrupted? Yeah, Glasgow, I mean, Scotland with only two easily, teams, but Wales with four. Easily Glasgow, yeah. Um, so then, yeah, Cardiff went to Leinster, and this went exactly as I predicted. Um, just, you know, it's the manner of defeat that hurts. I knew it was going to be a hammering, but you know, you sometimes you get spirited hammerings. Yeah, this, yeah. this was a this was a bad tempered, uh, sort of arrogant hammering. I feel like we thought we weren't going to be as shit as we were. <laughs> yeah, um, I, we just never showed up. No. Uh, I don't know why, unless it was an injury thing. But out of the two, you started Kirby Meyer instead of Daisy. Yeah, um, a few important lineouts that Meyer was in charge of just got done for um, this, you know, not a straight throw in. Yeah. And um, I think uh, anyway, that's just one aspect. I think. Uh, yeah, we just never showed up. Um, I will you say. Know, I know you would point out a lot of Leinster fans online were were expecting us to do them over because it was like a team full of people they were unaware of. Or at least, or at least give them a game, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I will say, um, when Corey Domachowski and Daisy came on, the forwards looked a bit better. A few things seemed to click. And yeah. there, was a, there was a 14-point swing at the end. So we were... Ellis Bevan almost scored. We were close to the line at one point. It could have been 21-31 at the end. That would have flattered us, I think. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. But, yeah, they, if I'm looking for any positives, it was, I guess, that, you know, the return of Dahmer and uh, and Daisy. The other thing, man, like, I hate to single out players, but I, I do think Matthew Morgan's either carrying an injury or he's past it now, so... He came on quite early for Priestland, and I just noticed he looked slow. He dropped a few high balls. Uh, his tackling was was poor, and you know it was it was always a feature of his career, really, his, his defense. So it was always a question mark. But I remember, do you remember that season we scored that absolute worldie on the return? It was either Saris or Harlequins away. Um, yeah, that, I think it was the Saris one. Yeah, that season he'd actually improved his defense. Like, and he, he wasn't just a speed bump, sort of sweeping up in the in the backfield. Uh, but yeah, man, like he just he didn't have a great game, and I I feel like it was never there for the winning, and you know we don't we just don't seem to travel well. But I 
I feel like there was no there was no spirit there until those sort of war dogs came on at the end. I suppose it was. Do you think there's anything carrying on from that um, brief fixture? I think so. I think it goes back to what we were saying about Scarlets. Welsh teams tend to be momentum teams, and they tend to be confidence teams. And there was, you know, what it's like you you can read body language, you can read the signs, you can read the emotional energy of a team even through the TV sometimes. And yeah. we didn't look like we thought we could possibly win that. And at that point, no. uh, you know, at that point, even then, you might think, well, let's just give them a ha- hard time anyway, because fuck them. But we didn't even think that. I think they were just thinking, right, you know, we might be out in the piss in Dublin later, so let's just get through the next <laughs> 80 minutes, and that's that. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I definitely think that's so that. It's almost like, it, you know, they all, <laughs> whether Dai was saying this to them or not, just saying, oh, don't lose by too much, lads. Yeah. <laughs> it almost felt like they were just expecting to, to lose, just turning up, showing face, yeah. getting through the AT, and then getting the cans on the bus home. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I think sometimes when you're professional, you need that. Yeah. I guess cause... the thing the thing that bugs me about her is there's a week off next. You know? So if, if, if that yeah. was the case, well, I'm not saying it is, I don't know. But like, if you're going to do it, do it next week. You know? Maybe. Would you rather have your blowout before you start? You've got a, a fair block of of training and conditioning ready for the next block. Well, I've never had a two week hangover, but, you see, but <laughs> yeah, no, you, you might you might be right. But we, we, you know, like, are we being too hard? I mean, we were always going to lose this game. I think we went there with the attitude we were going to lose this game, and yeah, I think we're just sad because we lost, even though we knew we were going to. <laughs> yeah, it still hurts. Yeah. Uh, finally, then um, on the Sunday, good game. This zebra uh, ospreys. I, I I watched this one, um, and yeah, for a little while it looked like zebra were gonna take the spoils, yeah, and then was... Morgan Morris just did some Morgan Morris things. And and, and why isn't he in the wheel squad? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like, it's I watched a bit of it, and um, yeah, like you know the, the ospreys have been. You can't say decimated after a game like that. Mm. Oh, totally. And again, feeds into our little uh, our our theme here: momentum. Like Ospreys are used to winning now. Yeah, and it, it, yeah, that, like I said, winning becomes a momentum. It's a culture thing, yeah. and um, you learn how to get out of sticky situations. Yeah, I mean, some of them, some of them players haven't played for a long time, like Tian Thomas Wheeler. Sort of, he hasn't. I haven't seen much of him. Um, who else is there? Harry Deves uh, scored the first try. Um, be a bit of a double year in there. Um, who else is there? Uh, a couple of the players there are there about getting a bit more game time than what they've had of, of late. But uh, yeah, that, that, that it truly shows what Toby Wolfe has been able to do and create that culture within the whole squad of players. I think so. I think I think there's a lot of dog there and. Mm. That it, I, you know, we all predicted them to go to Italy and win, but once you know, once the tide started turning, and you had a team of, as you say, fringe players or younger players to nick it at the end, like yep. they did, is yeah. I, I feel like if if that <laughs> were Cardiff in Zebra, we would have just heads down once they got ahead, and that would have been the end of that. Yeah, and I also think actually, yeah. if, if Ospreys had gone to Leinster. Mm, they'd oh. have probably they'd have probably lost, but it wouldn't have been like Cardiff's loss. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Leinster the thirds are pretty handy outfit. <laughs> yeah, I just think um, 
the the swing between the regions at the moment is is very much leaning west, and it's um, you know, Ospreys and Scars have just got great momentum and are just really enjoying life at the moment, and they seem to have weathered the storm of the of the start of the season and just really turned things around. It's, um, which which is is great, like because it 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 shows like that um, you you can have a slow start and yeah. can still see a bit of um a bit of fruit for your labours kind of thing, like you know Scarlet's finishing off um top of their pool in Europe, and then the the Ospreys um how they sit in the league they are on equal on points with Cardiff. Yep. Yeah. And, well, was, uh, that that that's a nice little segue actually there, Mikey. Um... <laughs> <laughs> so before we wrap up the weekend, uh, yeah, a quick update on how the Welsh Shield stands. Cardiff are top on games one, just about. Uh, 29 points equal with the Ospreys. Uh, then Scarlets and then Dragons. But those four teams are 11th, 12th, 14th and 15th. Which yeah, this, there doesn't is, make for good reading. There, there, there is still the matter of the Welsh Shield. I think Isn't I think it? I saw somebody call it the hub cap cup the other day, which I, I quite yeah. liked. <laughs> Bloody great, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, I, I strongly suspect Ospreys and Scars to start climbing the actual URC table now. Um they play Cardiff and Dragons in Judgment Day, and you'd expect those to both be wins for those two teams on current form. Yeah. So yeah, I mean yeah. The, it'll be interesting to see how the break disrupts the run that all of those teams are on. Um, but I think there's a URC game in the fallow week of the Six Nations, so yeah, we'll we'll have a think about that near the time, is it? Absolutely. Smashing. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, it's time to celebrate Island Week. So we'll see you in a bit. Tara. Bye. Bye. All right. Welcome back, everybody. It is Island Week. It is the I don't know. It's become my favourite build-up week in the Six Nations somehow. <laughs> oh, it's a good one. It is a good one. Um, so I thought just to sort of celebrate the magic that is Ireland Week, we should go back and have a think about the encounters between Wales and Ireland and just really start to get the energy in the shithousery building up. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, Ed, I'm going to put this to you first. What's your one of your earliest memories of Wales playing Ireland? Um... So, <laughs> it's actually the 2005 Grand Slam game. Is, is, yeah, um, same actually. <laughs> like, I'd obviously paid attention to rugby before that, but never really worried about the Irish game. Like, it never really held any significance to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, like, with everything on that game in 2005 and the weight behind it and, like, the, you know, potential for the first Grand Slam in in years, in decades, mm. uh, just with all with all that in mind, like you know, I, I remember going to my local. It was absolutely rammed. Um, you know, it, it was such good hype, such good build up, such good atmosphere around. And then, yeah, you know, that Gethin Jenkins charged down and <laughs> and try. Uh, oh, Trying to step at his head and then get him throwing <laughs> yeah. the ball at him. Yeah, throwing the ball at him, like even the Morgan Morris. Um, uh, um, is it Morgan Morris? God, I think it is. The fullback. Oh uh, no, uh, Kevin Morgan. 
Kevin Morgan, yeah, Jesus. This podcast has got Morgan Morris on the mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, the uh, Kevin Morgan try at the end as well. Like I can uh, remember you know, Butler's um, commentary on that. Oh, to put the seal on the wind, to put the cream oh, on the Grand it. Slam cake. <laughs> oh, R.I.P. Eddie. I know this is gonna be the first Six Nations actually without Eddie, which is oh, uh, yeah sad actually when you think about depressing. it. Yeah. it is, it's such like a weight of commentary, like like um, Bill McLaren yeah. oh, levels Bill. of commentary that it's just. It's just a hole that won't be filled, yeah, and you know, sort it's of like a... we had the generation growing up with Bill McLaren, oh. and then the generation growing up with Eddie Butler, and yeah. now we've got what uh, Andrew Cotter is it? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think he's going to do a decent job. He came yeah. into his own during lockdown of those dog videos, oh, and yeah. I, yeah. I've got a newfound respect for the guy. Yeah, yeah like seems to be the voice of rugby every generation kind of thing. That that sort of you yeah. know, cold, grey February mm. afternoon. You're inside, it's nice and warm, and Eddie Butler and Brian Moore. It just felt like home, didn't it? Yeah. This kicked it away again. <laughs> <laughs> so how about you, Mikey? Do you have any uh, early memories of Wales Island you'd like um, to share with us? Lansdowne Road. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, never had the privilege of going to Lansdowne Road, but uh, mm-hmm. always look forward to sort of five, six Nations games when Wales would play away in Lansdowne Road. It, it's one of the most iconic stadiums. Yeah. In World Rugby before it got replaced by the more corporate Aviva Stadium. Yeah. Um yeah. <laughs> literal goldfish bowl. Mm. And um <laughs> you know, it's it was it, it seemed like one of them one of them rugby stadiums like, you know, where we it was just destined for great games. Yeah. And yeah. like mm. that that history between Wales and Ireland have has become more of a thing more recently where it's always yeah. been the old enemy across the bridge there yeah it seems to be the new enemy across the irish sea there <laughs> I, you know you mentioned it the, the, the sort of lansdowne road backdrop reminded me mm. of like i don't know like a street fighter or a tech and sort of arena where like you know, it's this weird hodgepodge <laughs> in the background of just random yeah. shit that, that there's a battle in front of you know and, and let's go one of the most stirring anthems as well mind do you know what? Like a lot of people don't like Island's mm. Call, but uh, I don't know. As, as, a, as a song, ignoring the lyrics, I, yeah. I feel it's a quite a rousing piece of music. Um, mine then is very similar to Ed's 2005 Slam. Like I've got vague memories of hearing Island games on the radio or my dad watching them before I was particularly interested. But yeah, that, that weekend, it was one of my best mates' 18th birthdays. St. Patrick's Day, yeah, f- first Grand Slam in 27 years. Sunny March, spring had sprung, and yeah, like yeah. So I, I know. So I rushed home from work. I was uh, tutoring guitar that day. Got home. Well, no, I didn't. I drove straight to Coyne V Club. Uh, met my mate. <laughs> we watched the game, and I remember even when Kevin Morgan scored that try, thinking we could still lose this. Um, <laughs> just like we could still lose this. I was. I was so nervous. That, that, that's that's uh, like um, anticipation yeah, yeah. that you've carried through yeah. your entire rugby yeah, totally. fan career. And then yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, um, we got on the we got lifts to the train. I don't remember the details here. We got to the train station. I might take my first big night out in Cardiff that night. And yeah, I, I, the the rest of it's hazy. I'll be honest with you. But, right, yeah, that, that's my uh, that's my first one. Okay, so Mike, you might have already answered this one, but I'll. I'll Pass it over to you after I've gone to Ed. What's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of Wales v Island? Um, 
it's it's always like it's a number of things mm-hmm. um and it's generally like beating them on very important occasions mm-hmm. yeah okay. like um there was that uh jonathan davis try in the um 2012 was it yeah the 2012 um grand slam you know i was george north really introducing himself on the scene yeah um uh then there's the um to in and throw in of uh Stephen Jones and Ronan O'Gara, the drop kick battle. Yeah, um, the battle of two thousand nine. <laughs> yeah. Uh and um yeah, I think it's just like I I'd say the one thing that always comes to mind is is like good victories over them. Yeah. You know, yeah. World Cup uh <laughs> uh the World Cup twenty eleven. On uh, that, is this being a even sweeter is this a good time to bring up uh, Dan from Glad Rugby's tweet earlier? About uh, uh, the 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 newspaper article that went out. The yeah, night. what was it? Oh, it, yeah, so it was, it, it was the Irish. Memory. It, it was the Irish Times, Mikey, right? Mm. On the eve of Wales versus Ireland, twenty eleven, uh-huh. in in the World Cup quarter final, right? And the journalist published a piece called "Muscle Has a Memory for This Island Side," and it includes <laughs> such doozies of quotes. Uh-huh. For example. <laughs> All the memories of tight battles will go Ireland's way tomorrow against a Welsh side that can be cleared out at the breakdown. No. And it goes on to lambast Sam Warburton so many times. For example, throughout these 17 Samoan phases, the much-talked-about Welsh open side Sam Warburton didn't get his hand on the ball. In fact, he didn't even contest one of the breakdowns. (laughs) And it goes on and on and on and on and on. And then, uh, yeah, and I'll try and find the final quote yeah no doubt it'll be tight but muscle has a memory and so too this irish team warburton does not know what he's facing tomorrow where his young captaincy will be tested like never before ireland will win well didn't they just go and write the team talk from didn't they (laughs) i know i know well 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 it's become so spicy and yeah i think similarly ed it's it's almost like if somebody says wales versus ireland it's got a montage but yeah. I think the, yeah. the one that sticks out for me is the Mike Phillips short light out of the wrong ball. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they are still seething yes. about that so many years later. Like you can barely talk to an Irish uh, rugby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how about you, Mike? You've got anything to add to that? Uh, that I was one? just as 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 you were saying it just before you said it, I was thinking about that Mike Phillips try. Is like, and you know, there's no no better player to score it really. Oh, I know. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. If someone's going to score it, it wouldn't have been the same if it was Shane Williams. Yeah. It wouldn't have been the same if it was Jonathan Davis, Jamie Roberts, George North. Yeah, yeah. It had to be Mike Phillips. I know. And like, Mike Phillips is one of those players that you love him when he's on your team, but I bet you must absolutely hate him if he was yeah. on the opposition side. Okay. But a prop scrum off. Like, and he, he was just yeah. a six foot nuisance. Yeah, Spike. Yeah, six yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, if if you had to sum it up, I mean, I, I guess we're all going to say the same thing, aren't we? For best memory, it's going to be two thousand and five Slam. Yeah, mm, it's, it's it's a nice one to look back on with uh, with with Gethin Jenkins' try, and yeah. um, that it's, it, it sticks out. There's um, there's a romanticism for me for the twenty nineteen Grand Slam game, so. I was fully expecting to watch it in a pub. So I got on the 122 from Tonorel to Cardiff, bright and early. 
And on my way, a, a mate of mine texted me and said, I've got two tickets going. Does anybody want them? I said, all right, then. So he said, right, meet me, meet me in the Hilton Hotel at this time and bring 90 quid or whatever it was in cash and buy it off the bloke. And this was the last Six Nations before the principality went uh, digital. So when I go up to the bar and I'm surrounded by Irish people while I'm waiting for my mate. <laughs> and he walks and he goes, right, oh, that Reese, that's the guy you buy me ticket off. Irish guy. So I pick him, give him 90 quid, pick up my ticket. It's got the letters I-R-F-U on it. <laughs> Over to the stadium we go and I'm surrounded by Irish people. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and honest to God, uh, one of the, the guy, the guy who saw me ticket, lovely fella from uh, Galway, uh, Connaught fan. He, he said, yeah, if I ever, if I'm ever out there, like you know, see if I can get in touch. But like, at one point, he said, when I sold you that ticket, I thought I, I thought I was selling it to a rugby fan, not a choir. <laughs> yeah, no, so that that one's got a special place Amazing. in my heart um, for sure. Uh, okay, finest acts of shithousery on the pitch for Wales Island matches. Yeah, I think we have got to go back um, to the tick foot nuisance, haven't we? Yeah. It's got to be that um, <laughs> that try, I guess. No, yeah, because... no, I think you've all forgotten one, see. Go on. It was um... Um, <clears throat> the 2012 Grand Slam game. And minutes earlier, Bradley Davis had been yellow-carded for tip-tackling somebody off the ball into the ground. Ooh, yeah. And the, yeah. I- and the Irish commentator was receiving he didn't get a red card. And, you know, Fedus probably should have. Now, it would be today. Yeah. Moments later... An Irish guy just grabbed Ian Evans by the leg, and Ian sort of did this weird dive to make it look like a tip tackle. This Irish guy got yellow carded directly in front of the posts from which we kicked the penalty that ultimately was. And I think that Ian, because as Ian Evans got up, he patted the guy on the head. <laughs> and uh, I, I think for me, it's, it's absolutely that. Close second, Martin Williams' trip in the year two, 2008. Grand Slam game away in Croke Park. Um, oh, which one? I don't remember that. Yeah, so because it was a close game, wasn't it? And at one point, Ireland had broken our line. Oh, who have we lost? Oh, we lost Mikey. Yeah. Um, I'll crack on talking to Ed about this, son. Uh, yeah, so at one yeah, point, uh, an Irish player had broken our line and was in so much space that a pass or an unimpeded run would have probably got them over the line. Yeah. And Martin Williams just trips him. Just a little trip. <laughs> and he goes flying. Of course, Martin then gets a yellow card for this. But uh, yeah, yeah, he he saved he saved a score for sure. And uh, yeah, the rest is history there. Gold nugget. Yeah. He, he's a rugby-headed player, he was. Oh, 100%. Um, I think we've got Mikey back. Are you on mute, Mikey? Uh, I think he might be on mute. Okay, we'll... Uh, we move on without him and hopefully we get him back. Um, and I guess one thing, yeah. what the final one then is um, worst worst memories of a Wales Island game. Uh, I th- <laughs> it's 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 um, it's that um, drop kick uh, contest because it was great and it's like a fun memory to think of, but ultimately you know it did result in us losing the game and. Uh, I think you know we've obviously lost to them over the years more recently in Six Nations games and um, uh, but they've almost those games I think we've lost them in the Six Nations have almost felt like 
foregone conclusions that or that there's not been a lot riding on them for us. Yeah. Um, so they haven't really felt too, he- you know, um, uh, too heavy on the heart. But uh, yeah, that but... tropical one was, <laughs> I think it was just the. It was a triple crown game, wasn't it? Yeah, and um, you know, had something behind it. I, d- I don't think people have given us much chance going into that game either. Yeah. Um, I think it was like Bod at the height of his game, and um, Gar had been playing well. And... Yeah, it was almost like the changing yeah. of hands of winning and losing, and then uh, didn't we lose the kickoff? And then that's the island regathered it really quickly, and that's why I, I think made their way down the pitch, and then it was obviously Ogara's drop goal to win the match, and yeah, it was just it, it's one of those things where it's like. It's it's probably like a drop goal is one of the best ways to win a match, but also one of the most heartbreaking ways to lose a match as well. Yeah, and I I think um, the look on Stephen Jones's face then after he missed that last penalty will just haunt me forever. He looked absolutely gutted. Um, oh. All right, so not to end on a low note, there's more coming, um, but we are going to take a little impromptu break. I think while we get Mikey back, and then we'll crack on with this. So uh, see you in a bit. All right, welcome back, everybody. It wouldn't be a Forbidden Love Rugby podcast without some gremlins in the system. <laughs> but I'm pleased to say that Mikey and Ed are both back. They're alive and well, and uh, we can crack on. So, boys, you'll be completely unprepared for this because I've snuck this into the podcast without pre-approval. But it's a quick-fire Irish rugby word association round. Oh, I love it. So, oh, now then. I'm going to... How many have I got? One, two, three, four. I've got eight. You get one each. Uh, Mikey, heads or tails? Uh, tails. Okay. Uh, let me just flip a coin here. Flip a coin. Tails for Wales. Preparing to flip. Mikey, you've got... Oh, it's heads. Ed, do you want to go first or second? Uh, yeah, go on. I'll go first. All right. You ready, then? <laughs> yeah. So first thing that comes into your head about these Irish rugby-adjacent things. Okay. <clears throat> Ronan O'Gara. Dropkick. Okay. Uh, uh, Mikey. Aviva Stadium. Not Lansdowne Road. Ed. Munster. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is right. Uh, Mikey. Remember now, this is Irish rugby. World Cup. Terrible. <laughs> uh, Ed. Andy Farrell. Nutter. Mikey Island's Call Oh Stirring Ed Tyke Furlong Heartthrob (laughs) (laughs) Alright Mikey you get the orders going last Guinness Delicious Fantastic There we go Alright So I've got some stats here Do you want to do them in the form of a quiz or should I just get them out of the way uh, yeah, we've got a bit of a quiz. Yeah, it'd be a bit of fun. All right, uh, shout your names then if you want to answer first, and the closest will win, okay? <laughs> okay. So, in what year was the first match played between Wales and Ireland? Uh, 1910. 1910, what are you saying, Mikey? <clears throat> 1912. <laughs> oh, Ed, you've just about snuck that one. It was 1882. <laughs> oh, <laughs> There we are then. Okay, uh, and remember, shout your name to uh, to answer. Uh, 
That's that's your that's your equivalent to a buzzer. I, I didn't I didn't send you buzzers in the post. Uh, okay, how many games have been played between the two senior men's teams? Uh, Mikey, go on, Mikey. Fifty-three. Fifty-three. What are you saying, Ed? Ed, uh, I'm gonna say it's gonna have been one a year for quite a while now. Uh, I'm gonna go sixty-nine. Nice. Uh, no, it's 133, but Ed, you were once you were also closest. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a sign of quality, but you are winning 2 0, yeah. Um, one, two, three, four. Yeah, first of four wins, yeah. Um, of, those, of those matches, how many of Wales won? How many was it? 133. Um, I'm going to say. 71%. I, I need a number. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say 71 games. 71 games. What do you, what do you say, Mikey? Uh, bless you. Um, <laughs> 64. 64. Ed, it was 70. Oh. <laughs> Mikey, go. you've got to get this one right to stay in the game. Stay in the game. Oh, uh, dear me. No okay. pressure, Mikey. Your uh, house is on the line here. Yeah. How many of Ireland won? Uh, yeah, uh, I reckon 38. Give or take draws. Ed, 38. Uh, okay, you were close there. Ed. I was about to disqualify you. Okay, Ed's gone 38. What are you saying, Mikey? 42. Mikey's closer. It was 56. <gasps> yes! Oh. <laughs> no, then. No, then. You've kept it alive. I'm not going to give you any of the previous numbers again because that would just be a maths <laughs> test now. This is, this is just a bit of fun. It's just meant to be random. Uh, how many draws have they been? Uh, Mikey, 12. Mikey saying 12. Ed, 3. Oh, shit, now you're going to make me do maths. <laughs> Ed is closer. It's 7. Oh, oh seven. yeah. Okay, well, well Ed's well won. Done, Ed. we'll, we'll finish it off. Um, and this is a ridiculous question, actually. I don't even know why this is. <laughs> um, what's the, so Wales have won more games. They're ahead in games... One, but what's the aggregate score across oh. all of the games <laughs> that those two teams have played each other? Blimey, now you're asking. Yeah, I mean these are these are going to be ridiculous answers. And also, Wales aren't necessarily winning, are they? Not necessarily, no. Well, no, yeah. Um, oh. given recent history, I think um, Wales have probably pipped it. Probably. Something along the lines of 34, 28. Oh, so you've done like an average interview. No, so I mean, accum- accumulative, right? So you've, all of the scores have ever been. Oh, so- uh, yeah. sorry. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Oh, dear yeah, yeah. me. Uh, I'm gonna... 133 games worth of scores. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's a good way to think of it. Uh, I'm just going to pluck a random number out of my head. Do it, here. I'm going to say Wales. 1,328 to yep. Ireland's 1,050. Okay. No, okay. That's what about you, Mikey? <laughs> what are you saying, Mikey? Um, <laughs> this is really digging deep into the barrel. Yeah, this is a barrel, yeah, barrel yeah. of biscuits. This yeah. is. Um, 1,500 plays 1,400? 
do you know what boys you're not actually far out um, and Mikey takes the point there for me no yeah so it was Wales 1,629 oh. versus Ireland 1,576 so if Ireland win by 54 points on Saturday they overtake us in the aggregate but oh. not, on the, not on the matches won there's a, there's a bit more on the line now isn't it there is alright well that was a bit of fun anyway so shall we move on to predicting our 23 before we uh, wrap yeah. this podcast let's up let's do it so, back three, Ed, who's in your back three? I've got Leah Williams. I'm assuming he's going to be fit. I think he's been yeah. kept in the, uh, the Welsh squad to sort of keep him for this game. Uh, Rio Dyer and Josh Adams. How about you, Mikey? I've got Lee Halfpenny at fullback and flanked by uh, Josh Adams and Rio Dyer. Okay. Do you know what? I think Gatlin might go nuts here. Oh, here I go. think... I, see, I, I, I don't know. See, he's—I'm just going to say this just because it'll be a bit different. But I—I'm not inside his head yet. I don't know how he's going to work this. But I'm going a back three of Adams at fullback. See, and no. Dyer and Cuthbert on the wings. Oh, I—he does like Cuthbert. Yeah, and yeah, Cuthbert has been as well. well. I don't know. See, I think. I, I, I like Adams a fullback though. I wouldn't necessarily pick that myself, but I just I just wonder if Gatlin wants to have a look, and especially considering Liam and Lee haven't played all that much. Yeah. I don't know. He might just he might just bite, but who knows? I think the hardest one now is going to be the centres. I, I've got no. Not for me. Out, outside of George North for thirteen. Uh, do you all agree on that? Yeah. Baseball? Right. So who are we all going for at twelve then? I uh, sorry, Marky, to do this to you. Don't, but, don't, don't, don't you do it. I think. So you don't have to apologise. <laughs> don't you do it. Because he has been playing well and he's kind oh, of got he? an established partnership with no. George. I've gone for Nick Tompkins. Why? I think, I think I, Gatlin's I, first game, you might want to sort of get a bit of momentum, go for a win, go for something tried and tested and might not want to sort of, you know, throw the shit at the wall. Is that the same? I'm not always yeah. Yeah, no, that is that is a perfectly useful saying. Um, I wonder if his time in camp might count against him this week, and it might go to somebody who's been in camp for two weeks. And I think he's going to go Joe Hawkins. I think he's going to go Kieran Williams. This Ooh. is interesting. I can't wait to see who's right. I, oh, I better make a note of all these so we can refer back to them. <laughs> Joe Hawkins um, was my um, next pick. It was yeah, I was so, a toss up between those two for me, but I think Nick, we, Nick Tompkins. Even if only one or two of us can get on the line I think there'll be an emergency pod for the squad reaction um, yep. so let me just get this down then so Mikey's back three is Lee Halfpenny uh, Rio Dyer and Josh Adams uh, Ed's yours was Liam Williams Rio Dyer and Josh Adams yep. and mine was Josh Adams Rio Dyer and Alex Cuthbert uh, for the centres uh, Ed you went George North and Tompkins yeah Mikey, you went George North and uh, Kieran Williams. Quite and I, good. And I went Northy Boy and Mr. Hawkins. All right, uh, halfbacks, then. I think I think we're all probably going to come up with the same. Yeah. I think so. Go on. Uh, Thomas Williams at nine and Dan Bigger ten. Yeah. Same. Same. Oh no, no, I disagree. I think <laughs> he's going to go Reese Webb. I think he's going Reese Webb. Is he still crooked? Oh, I don't know. Shit. Well, I've said it now, so I'm, I'm right. <laughs> like. Okay, so you've got a, a Dan Bigger, Thomas Williams, 
Dan Bigger, Thomas Williams, and uh, Dan Bigger. So Reese's injured, is he? Oh yeah, and he took a well, well, the other knock uh, for the Ospreys against. No, what am I talking about? I'm, I'm just being contrary. It's gonna be Thomas fucking Williams. All right, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, it's unfair that you two are going first because I'm just gonna steal your answer here. But front row. Well, I, I imagine we might be slightly different. I've gone um, Gareth Thomas, Ken Owens, Thomas Francis. I think the same. Oh, do you know what? I'm not just saying that. I think he's gonna start with scrummaging front row and I think that's how it's going to look his bomb squad's going to be dynamic I think I mean Ty, Ty Furlong is going to start yeah tight dead I think we can all be quite certain of that and probably Andrew Porter are going to start at one um, yeah. uh, then um, I mean Tom Francis has been showing up for the Ospreys yeah along with Gareth Thomas yeah. um, mm. so I don't think when Jones has had much in the way of game time and I've question marks over Reese Carey's scrummaging ability. Sure. Um, I, I I mean, let's not get ahead of ourselves, but I'm almost certain he's going to pick Carey on the bench. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, the, the second row. How about we start with Ed? Uh, I've changed my mind to what I thought a few weeks ago and I've gone reverted to the to the tried and tested Alan Wynne Jones and Alan Beard. Mm. I think I, I, I'm with you on that. Agreed. Okay, good. So that's unanimous. Nothing to nothing to see you. Um yeah, I I think he, Osprey's partnership. Mm-hmm. Um continuity, Beard's found some form, Alan wins, Alan win. I I I, I imagine we said to Alan Wynn is if you don't have a storm and you're dropped. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> and and just put a fire just put a rocket up his ass and yeah. Do you know what? I think I, I think words like that will Will fire Allen win up? He's the sort of player I think who likes that. Yeah, especially yeah. from a coach like Gatland who means it. Yeah, yeah. Gatland's got no qualms 12... about dropping yeah. someone. No, mm. no. I mean, how many players we left on like thick end of nineties? Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I mean Allen win wants like... his two hundred cap, you know, to... <laughs> with, Gat- with Gatland at the helm. <laughs> I think the year I think is twenty forty-five. <laughs> Cyborg Allen win. <laughs> he's held together with yeah, with all sorts of like rivets and bolts and yeah. one red yeah, eye like the two already has, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. like, back row. I think the back row's actually fallen into place over recent weeks. If I'm being entirely honest, it's picked itself really, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, so if I put my cards on the table, I think it's going to be Jack Morgan, Justin Tibbrick, and Toby Farto. Yeah, agreed. Yep, yep. I think um, if anyone else is picking anything else, then um, we'd like to hear. Yeah. <laughs> Let him tell us why. Yeah. Okay, so the bench, are we all agreeing it's going to be a conventional 6-3 bench? Yeah. 5-3, 5-3. I've gone 5-3. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Ed, why don't you give me your bench first, Dan? So uh, I've gone Carey, Bradley, and Leon Brown mm-hmm. uh, as the subs, front row subs. Um, Dave Jenkins and Shunza as the uh, remaining two forward subs. And then I've gone Reese Webb, Owen Williams, Lee Halfpenny as the backs subs. Okay, I'm very close to that. Mm, uh, Mikey, do you want to do you want to go first? I've got same front row: Bradley Roberts, Reese Carey, and Leon Brown. Yeah. Still got question marks over Reese Carey's scrummaging, but Leon Brown for me showed up and and and, fought and, and firmed up the mm-hmm. Dragon scrum. Yeah. Last weekend, fair play to him. Um, I got Christ Chunza covering second row. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, Aaron Wainwright covering back row. Oh, okay. um, and uh, Kieran Hardy, Owen Williams, and Liam Williams. Okay, so you're uh, you're dying on the um, Reese Webb's injured hill. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, so for me, I've been. I'm, I'm super confused about Tighthead. I mean, he's picked Dylan Lewis and Leon Brown out of nowhere, and he's kept them both in camp. Am I right in thinking last weekend? Yeah, I don't think L- Leon Brown didn't play against Glasgow, did he? No, I don't think so. So, do you know what? Just because it's somewhere I could win some points, I'm going to pick Dylan Lewis. <laughs> See, uh, and I, and I was caught very much. On yeah. that precipice, like yeah. whether uh, I think Leon Brown coming on the, the last twenty um, yeah. and doing a twenty minutes worth of job might might have done it for him. Mm. No, I think I think you might be right. Uh, so my second row cover, I, I agree with Ed. I'm going Dav Jenkins. I'm, I'm going to put Christians in the back row. Um, for my backs, yeah, I'm. You've got me doubting if, if Webb's. Fit or not, but no, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Reese Webb being named, but he might be a late dropout. Yeah, bit of, uh, bit of <laughs> Owen Williams for sure, and then I, I'm doing it. I'm gonna call Mason Gradian. Oh, you're sticking <laughs> oh. as my replacement twenty-three. <laughs> them blue tinted glasses suit you I know, well. <laughs> I know, I know. I, it's it's subliminal as well. Like I haven't I haven't deliberately gone and done it, but uh, you look yeah. a pirate there with one blue eye, one black eye. <laughs> Idea for uh, idea for merchandise, <laughs> right? I'm gonna write that down. Oh, excellent! So we we've got all those. Um, so yeah, predictions of the match, I guess. Now, I mean, we might cover this again in the midweek emergency pod. <coughs> but does anybody see Wales winning this? <sighs> ah, it's it's hard. It's hard to you know look see past the sort of um, <laughs> gla- glazing. Of Warren Gatland, um, yeah, God, I'll be able to get a sentence out soon. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to look past the positivity and excitement Gatland's brought back and the squad he selected, uh, unbiasedly. Yeah. But if I have to sort of take my Wales hat off, I would say I think this is an Ireland win all day long. It it feels like to me Wales could win, Ireland should win. Yeah, I'd go with that. This, you know, if this was Pivak's fourth Six Nations, oh, yeah. I, I would be saying Ireland will win. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, th- yeah. I think it's just close the gap. But there's that little Welsh pessimist in me that could also just expect further capitulation under Gatland, and that the sticking plaster hasn't worked. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know. Is my short answer? I, I can't call this. Like, I, I, I don't know. What effect Gatland will have had? We know that Ireland are going to be excellent. Um, we don't know how much of the gap Wales will be able to close, or if it'll get bigger. Yeah, let me convince you with five words. Go on, Gatland, Wales, Ireland, Cardiff, Six Nations. It's a done deal for me. Six words, Mikey. <laughs> Was it? Six, six, six nations. nations is two words. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's hyphen. It's not six. It's six nations. It's okay. not Six Nations, it's Six Nations. Six Nations. Gotcha. It's a compound it's a word. It's a six, it's a six number six with the nations after it. Understood. Understood. All right, so... It's a silent six, isn't it? 
So I, I think it's yeah. I think Ed's going Wales to lose, Mikey's going Wales to win, and I'm going I don't know. I'm, I'm going nil nil draw defences on. You tonight. can't do that again. Look what happened last time. Yeah, the Welsh team won. Got it. Do it right, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the team in red as well. The mm. other fixtures of the weekend then uh, Saturday quarter to five, England take on Scotland in Twickenham. Uh, England have got a lot of injuries, like a lot, yeah. but also some good players knocking about. It's, it'll be interesting. Yeah. New coach, Scotland. Yeah, Scotland fancy themselves, I think. They yeah, like think being so. the underdog. Yeah, um, particularly yeah. in Twickenham. Yeah, and with the fact that um, you know it is all change for yeah. England. Yeah, I mean, like at least with Wales, we we, we back to something we recognise. Mm. And although Steve Borthwick was forwards coach under uh, Eddie Jones for a time. Um, I think that, uh, I think um, Steve Borthwick looks too happy already. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You just see, see, see him. Borthwick he, he looks like he, well, I think he looks more happy now than he ever did coaching Leicester. Yeah, yeah. But like, I think he's he's, he's, he's chuffed a bit. Yeah, yeah, he's chuffed a bit. He got the big job. Walking out and, sunshine. Yeah. I mean, Kevin Sinfield skipping down yeah. there. <laughs> Down yeah, the training ground. Got, got, got down the ice cream van, got a Mr. Whippy, sitting in the park, so, looking so, at the sunset. Oh, we did it, Kev. I told you. It'll <laughs> <laughs> be the, the Lions next, boy. Kev. Te- teed up by Rob Owley, no less. But, uh, um, yeah, I think uh, uh, there's, there's more upheaval for England, of course, Yannick, but um, and this is, it's been in some, some articles where, like, um, uh, I can't. I think it was the Times ran an article saying uh, they shouldn't expect too much from um, Steve Borthwick in England right now. Um, eight months out from a World Cup. Yeah, yeah I, I, don't, harsh. I don't know what Scotland's injury situation is. To be honest, um, I haven't heard much. So I'm assuming they're close to full options. That's where I am on this because I, I, I've been on Reddit quite a bit, and like a lot of England fans are. Bemoaning their lack of options, but you don't, you don't. I'm not seeing the same from many of the other nations actually, yeah. apart from Italy. Actually, but having a, oh, a they've bad got, time of it. Yeah, um, um, but, but wait, do, oh. are we are we guilty of doing that thing where after the autumn we always talk Scotland up as dark horses for the Six Nations <laughs> and then they inevitably come forth? <laughs> yeah, it's, this has been going on since 2008. Yeah, <laughs> as far um, as I can remember. I think. Ignoring the autumn for me, I'm looking at this. You know, they they're going to know England are in transition. They've got mm. injuries across the park, some key players out. They're coming in as underdogs, which any team always will into Twickenham. Um, and I think you know, World Cup year, bit of momentum. I could see a Scottish upset here. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go Scotland. And they and they've got a sparring full of South Africans as well. Okay, so what, what are you saying, Mike? You saying Scotland? For, for, yeah, for the South African element alone. Okay, I I think scrappy England win. Yeah, I think they'll do it. All right, and then finally Sunday three p.m. Um, we have got Italy France, France in Italy. Yeah, can't it, see beyond. Was was that in Italy? Mm-hmm. Italy have come on, but it's France. Agni Caposo is going to tear him a new one. On his own, yeah. is it? <laughs> I'm always up for an Italy win, but um, just yeah. the France train is just steamrolling ahead at the moment. And uh, you know, any team that was against France in the opening weekend, I would, I would have put them to lose. Yeah, absolute hiding. No, it's, it's in. It's not in Toulouse. It's in Rome. Oh yeah, but I, I mean, 
out in the first week. Got the, 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 the Toulouse out in first week. Yes. I know. Yes. Well done. Yeah. Well bloody done. Where's my pro contract? All right. I, I think we're all going to France there, right? Yeah. <clears throat> okay, awesome. That's, right, that's in the notes. That's official. Right then, lads. That brings us on to Forbidden Love of the Week. I do have one this week. Um, something we've spoken about already. But it's, it's not a personal one. But uh, it's the love between the FAW is shown for the WIU. Mm. That, uh, you know, 10 years ago, soccer and rugby, well, it was, it, was, it was almost a culture war, wasn't it? But I think re- in recent history, that animosity is closed to the point where now the FAW are actively saying, please feel free to come and talk to us. I think it's great. Yeah, it's great. Um, I don't know if you go on some forums, though, it's still there between the fans. Being being like I don't go on them so much anymore, but used to go on both the rugby and football forums, uh, yeah. Cardiff ones, and <laughs> the, the absolute um, chucking the toys out of their pram the football fans would have because their kickoff would be moved to allow for a Welsh mm. rugby game, you know, yeah. to, to go yeah. ahead and not clash, and um, yeah, like so some people that because of that have, well literally have nothing to do with rugby whatsoever. Yeah, I, th- I think like Wales is a small country with limited resources, and anything like this where people are willing to share resources, I think is a good idea. Yeah, oh yeah, I'm the same day. Oh, oh, no, sorry, go on it. Oh, sorry, Mikey. I, I was just going to say, um, I totally agree, and I, like I was so happy to see it and. You know, it's only going to improve Wales. It's not going to be detrimental to rugby or to football. It's only going to improve both. Yeah, definitely got to pull in the same direction. Yeah. Uh, do you have uh, any other flot or was that uh, it for the week? Um, I'll jump on, Mikey, if you're having a thing. Yeah, go for it. Uh, it it's a weird one. Uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure it falls under the remit of Forbidden Love, but. It's it, a very loose remix, so yeah. <laughs> um, it's it, it's the enjoyment I've had at the amount of people calling for someone's head. Uh, oh no, that yeah, that that is totally on brand. In yeah. the, in the sense of obviously Steve Phillips, of course. Um, like since we recorded last week and everything came out, um, I've just utterly enjoyed any new statements that came out saying how much they had lost yeah. faith in Steve Phillips and the board as a whole. And um, yeah, I, I just enjoyed, I read every statement word for word. Um, I was so happy to see teams, not just people, but teams putting their names to it yeah. and yeah. and calling for uh, either Steve Phillips to leave uh, the board to resign or at least an external investigation to happen to completely change it. And like how much the one thing that was a constant in each statement was the reiteration of like rugby being a game for all. And, you know, and yeah. a lot of recent news with the like trans bands going on and rugby and, um, you know, uh, <laughs> these, uh, other, you know, disconnects people are having with the tackle heights or concussions yeah. and, um, serious brain injuries. It's, uh, it was just nice to see like everyone hammering home what rugby is and what it means and making sure it's still a safe space for everyone and anyone. Yeah, well said. I mean, I think, yeah, yeah on a, yeah, sometimes I do let myself 
feel sorry for the person that it's all happening to. But I mean, he did oversee such a horrible mess of things. And then he sort of did it to himself by sticking around. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah we trying to paper over his own cracks. This, this is it. In the nicest possible way. Yeah. It, it was the, I think it was the only way to get rid of him. And, and yeah, I am glad it happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Is, is that everything there, boys? I think I'm going to take a bye this week. Understood. Not a problem. All right, then. Well, thanks for tuning in. Please feel free to get in touch. We are always willing to talk, take on take on learnings, as Roger Lewis might have said in the old days. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and on that terrible note, we'll uh, leave you to it. So, uh, thanks for tuning in. See you around. Peace out. Tara. Tara.